know, my father wasn't going violent and my mother wasn't screaming all day. It was sort of a typical middle class, lower middle class like situation. So when I was there, my mind hadn't entertained I could be anywhere else yet, you know, when I'm a kid, like two and two and three years old. And then all of these assumptions that we take to be so uh, true now weren't entertained back then. So I wasn't thinking about next week on, on today because I hadn't conceptualized next week yet. Yeah? I had no idea about there's a next week because it, there isn't a next week really. <laughs> there isn't. I mean, the, how I saw things when I was a kid was much clearer than how I started to see things as I started to grow, yeah? Because, like in AA, it says, you know, you, you can outgrow fear, so that sort of implies you grow into it, yeah? So, I grew into fear, and to me, that's growing into that mental state called self-centeredness. We weren't in that mental state when we were young, and then we grew into it. And then, from growing into it, it's produced a lot of consequences. Some you could call good. I would say most don't seem to be so good. Yeah, and so we like to get relief from the consequences, but we don't. We want to get relief from the consequences as one of the consequences of self-centeredness, the feeling of being you. Yeah, you know what I mean. So how can a consequence get relief from the other consequences if the source or the cause isn't seen? What's causing these consequences to sort of? multiply and uh, propagate, you know, how is how is that Petri dish just swarming with bacteria? Because there's a certain premise that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You're an action figure, a historical person. You don't know, remember your birth, I'm pretty sure you don't, but we assume that we're here, and we have a story that we were born one day, and da-da-da, but we're not an eyewitness. We have no eyewitness accounts. The parents may see, but all they saw was a body, basically. And then the life that was animating that body was probably not not seen. Obviously, it wasn't seen, but I don't even mean wasn't seen as a presence, you know. We were we immediately assumed it was the body, and so we've been following that line of thought ever since. At least the parents were, and then we grew into the same line of thought of when we were about 18 months, as supposedly it starts. So we grow into that line of thought that I'm the body or somehow I'm in a body. And then I take the, the qualifications and the limitations of the body as being my limitations and my qualifications without realizing maybe the possibility of the statement by Jesus is applicable. Whereas he says, you're in this world, let's say, or you're in this body, but you're not of this world. Yeah? So you seemingly are in a body, but maybe you're not of the body. Yeah. Now the mind doesn't mind you entertaining that, but that what it, what it will inform you is that you're of the mind. <laughs> yeah. In other words, when you want to get the sense of being your authentic you, it's a con- concept. It's a mental concept. It's an idea that the mind has. Yeah. So the mind says, "Okay, you're not the body. You have a body, but what's the owner of the body? Is this mental idea of you?" that's affiliated with the body quite a lot. It takes itself to be the doer through the body's actions. It takes itself to have free will. It takes itself to have this and that. And yet, it also takes itself to have the limitations of the body. You know what I mean? I can only reach this far, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> Which is quite limiting, you know, in a sense. It's sort of like putting a marathon runner in a closet, you know? It's not really going to be able to stretch out its legs because it's, it's just running by a three-by-three three oval all day. 
So it's all about you, basically, all day. It gets pretty boring, except to you. Yeah. If other people had about a half-hour snippet of the narrative going on in your head and knew it was yours, if they had a chance to grab the channel, the remote, they would turn that channel off. They would, unless they have, they want to be right about you. Let's say if they went out with you or something. They want to really be right about what an asshole you were. Maybe they would listen to get some information. So, but basically, the border would come over very quickly. Why doesn't it come over us with that same with the same narrative? Yeah, we must be in a certain relationship with the narrative that makes it seem interesting to us that other people aren't in that situation or relationship with the narrative. They're not taking it to be them. And therefore, they have an immunity to this insane mental interest. Yeah, But when we take ourselves to be that, that opens up our mental mental interest. Yeah? It's sort of like a shit. Yeah? That is your shit. So you always keep going back to your shit. Everyone else sees it as a shit, so they step over it and walk around it, but we land on it like a fly all day because it's our shit. You know what I mean? It, the shit could be a problem, it could be, you know, some girl said no to us, whatever it is, but it's some form of shit. And we're like flies that keep going back and swirling around it. And when you see a fly doing it, you're going, man, what if they had a sort of, you know, appetite that fly has it like shit, you know, we're thinking, but the mind is right on it, man, like white on rice. Why? I mean, it's a good idea to find out, because if you don't, you'll be destined to live under that yoke, yeah? There is a role we play, just like in AA, it's, you know, when you do the, there's a four-column inventory, which is the beginning of, of like throwing a wrench in self-centeredness in a way, just at least getting a view of the machinery of the self by, by seeing the patterns that it displays in our life and then maybe following the pattern back to the, the self or the idea of being a self and seeing that that idea of being the self is expressing its ideas of life, its ideas of you, its ideas of love, its ideas of success through this opportunity called you. So we follow it back and then we see it. But if you went into a bar tonight, everyone in that bar is doing the first two columns of the four-column inventory. They know why they're pissed, so they think they do, and they know who they're pissed at. But there's no recovery in those staying on those two, the two columns. You have to go to the fourth column where you see what? Your role in it. Now, to me, I would say I would like to change that a little bit and take it to another level of all right, first acknowledge and honor that it's your role and then realize it's not your role, that it's self. That it's a mental system called self-centeredness that is expressing its ideas, its opinions, its interpretation of life through us. And why does it have such an opportunity to have this massive possibility of expression is because we're identified as it. We've taken ourselves to be the mental idea of being Paul. Yeah? And we're living by it. Even though it doesn't fit, it's like wearing a lousy suit. You blame it on the tailor and everything like that. It just doesn't fucking fit. You would probably, a, a wise thing would be just to take it off, but it's because it's your suit. And then in fact, it's beyond that. It's your skin that you can't entertain taking it off. Yeah? So all of the reasons why it feels this way down here is based on this here. This identification as self echoes into all our experiences in life. It frames everything. 
Yeah? And so, whatever's showing up in the frame, usually that's what we're engaged in, because we, the feeling of being Paul, is inside the frame of self-centeredness. So we're always either having a great frame or fighting to get a better frame, you know? There's many emotional experiences and mental experiences and physical experiences that happen here. But they're all being framed like that by self-centeredness. And the biggest influence in how we're interpreting what's happening inside the frame is from the frame. The frame is dictating how we see things, yeah? How we perceive. The whole apparatus is built on seeing things from the idea of being a thing. It's not, it doesn't have the ability to see no thing. The last thing that will be noticed here is the space of this room. You'll notice every fucking thing else, every person, every door, every chair, the rug, the jacket, the thing, this and that. But the space sort of in a way goes unnoticed, yet it's the largest aspect of this room. Yeah? The space isn't in a way appearing in us, we're appearing in it. It's the bigger dog, so to speak. The space is always the bigger dog. <laughs> There's... There needs to be space for us to appear. If there wasn't any space, we wouldn't be appearing, you know? So I would say space is way down the line before us, and yet we give it absolutely no credit. We call, we call it nothing or whatever. We don't notice it at all. We're moving through it every day, seemingly, but we never, it's like the fish in water. It never dawns on the fish what water is, you know? The water is its whole milu, it's a, it, yet it's seen through the milu, or the uh, space, but it never sees the space, it just sees what's appearing in the space. That's not random, that's the program of this apparatus, but it's not the only way to see. Like Jesus says, you know, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, the ears and the eyes are there, but are you able to see and hear? There's got, there's got to be a change in mind for another kind of seeing and another kind of hearing to become emphasized. And it's usually not emphasized because selfing is emphasized. Yeah? So our interest and attention is like wetted or glued, or for me it feels like an enslavement to this idea of being a self, which that active obsession is the passive denial of what is. You don't recognize it. So when they say God is everywhere, how aren't we running into it? I mean, if I'm rubbing up against it all day, if I was rubbing up against a person in the subway, I would usually notice it, you know, or if I walk by you. If I'm rubbing up with everywhere, how am I not noticing it? Yeah, because I don't have the eyes to see it, and I don't have the ears to hear it, because my eyes and my ears are addicted to the idea of being a self, yeah? They're actually enslaved to that idea. And so my eyes are just reaffirming the idea that I'm the seer, that's what I believe, anyway, yeah? What I'm hearing only reinforces the idea of being the one who's hearing things, yeah? So, the mental process has hijacked the consciousness, in a way, and made us up a story about consciousness, that consciousness is an activity that you and I are doing, when I believe that consciousness is what's doing, yeah? Spirit is what's living here. We're not, we're not an intermediary, we're not the... the, the uh, the predecessor, we're basically an idea that's arising while everything else is arising in the light of awareness, yeah? This is just one idea. But what happens with this idea, when the mind goes to it, this idea of being a self, it sort of sucks the interest and attention away from everything else and brings it to this one fixated point, you. 
And I'll tell you, it's like being under, you know when you were a kid, you'd want to see a bug, and so you get a magnifying glass, and you didn't know the sun was right behind your shoulder, so while you were thinking you were just looking at the bug to get to know it, let's say, better, you were burning the shit out of it, yeah? You killed it, because there was too much energy being magnified on this, like, this one little object. Well, that's what's happening with us. This one mental object called Paul is taking too much energy, and it's burning itself. It's an, it's an addiction. It's an, it's, to me, it's like the first addiction, at least in this place of linear time. It's the first addiction, which is the addiction of mind to the idea of being a self. All other addictions are trying to get relief from that one. Tell me the truth. You know? <laughs> and all the things we've tried, like shooting drugs or whatever, drinking, sex, and all the combinations of shooting drugs, drinking, and sex, and everything we've tried to work out, they've never really worked because if they did, the addiction would have stopped. <laughs> we would have, the bell would have been rung and that would have been the end of the fight and therefore we would have just traipsed off and been freed from that. But most addictions, I don't think any ever end. They may peter out, yeah, but they never end with the success and the satisfaction of finally arriving. Yeah, Every arrival just determines another takeoff. Yeah, like every time I shot coke, the first shot would be maybe I'd wait 15 minutes after it, you know, and enjoy it, you rush. Then I'd do another shot, and then that would be like 12 minutes, and then the next shot, 8 minutes, and then 5 minutes, and after a while I was just shooting, and just shooting again, basically. I wasn't, I'd get the rush, and I'd have to put the needle in my arm again. It was like an addiction, yeah. And it will keep firing until something gives, because it never fulfills itself. You never get that great relief you've been looking for. Because we've misnamed the problem, and therefore we definitely misname the solution. Yeah? We think we're fine, it's just them, or it's just the situations I'm in, or whatever, the girlfriend leaving. If I just shoot some coke, that will erase all of that, and I'll just be fine just as I am. But just as you're not is the problem. <laughs> That's the root of the problem. <laughs> it doesn't get erased by 8,000 shots. <laughs> it just infuriates it more. Because after a while, the best quality coke will still be unsatisfying. Because it will fail. Yeah, It will fail. Just like every fucking savior will fail. Everything will fail. Because it has to come back to you and I. It has to go back to... Because if you keep applying a solution to an imaginary problem... Yeah? Let's say the problem's imaginary. It doesn't have really any solidness to it. It's sort of made up, and it's reinforced by our believing it to be so, okay? So, in a sense, the problem's imaginary. If we, quote-unquote, find a real solution to it, and apply it, yeah, that's a bigger problem. Because the solution now will verify the reality of the problem. Yeah? When the real solution is to see that it's an imaginary problem. When it's an imaginary problem, what's there to do? Nothing. And then that feeling of relief that you were hoping to get after a long process, you'll have before you even start a process. Just by getting it, there's nothing to do. <laughs> the exact feeling you're hoping to get by undoing something that was never done, you'll get immediately because you'll realize it's never happened. Yeah. Now, there's no big joy in that relief, because no one can see it, you haven't, you know, Paul really changed his ways, he moved to the Himalayas, and, you know, he's been meditating 12 hours a day, and, oh, he 
doesn't even need to eat. He just reads like the cereal box, and that's enough. And he doesn't just living unbelievably. Wow, wow, he's so great. Yeah, it's not like that. It's just bullshit awareness. It's just so quick. There's no glory in it whatsoever. That's why it's so beautiful. It's more normal than you could ever imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get any stripes. No one's going to really acknowledge you too much. And if they do, it's a false idea, so you want to cut it at the root because they're attempting to make you have something that they don't have, which is a lie. None of us have it. We are it. It's a different story. If we had it, it would be commerce, you know? If you, if I had it and you didn't, that's commerce. You maybe would want what I have. Now, if I'm honest, I know there's nothing I ever did to bring it about, so it's going to be very difficult for me to package it as a product to give to you. But you're such an addict that I can make, I can have a disclaimer, but then put out a product like, oh, you don't have to do anything, but here's certain things you'll do, and you'll just go for it. Yeah? Because you're such an addict. <laughs> because if you're honest, we would sit with the person and say, well, actually, what exactly did you do to produce this freedom you seem to have? That I don't seem to have. What is it? Tell me exactly. Was it the 800th time you sat on the cushion? Because I'm at 765. I got 35 more to go. You know, was it that time I dove in the frigid Ganges and, you know, whatever, lightning hit me or something? What is it? So I can go there and hopefully get hit by lightning. And if he, had, if he or she was honest, they'd have to say, I have no idea. Yeah. And yet, we keep buying the product. So this is much simpler than that. Sooner or later, it's going to have to end up with you anyway. Yeah? I don't care how many pictures you have of saints. You're the most dominant person in the room. Not the 50 pictures. Yeah? It's going to be up to the mind that seems to be here. And if I throw it off on anyone else, the old statement is, hey, when you see the Buddha on the street, you know what you should do? Shoot him. Because you're throwing your own Buddhahood onto someone else, thinking they're special, and making you really special by not actually having what you are. Yeah? That's, that's the epitome of ego or selfing, is to be so special that it's lacking the greatest specialness of all, which is always and everywhere, you know, spirit. We're so special. We've done such a terrible thing. We're so entrenched in a body condition. There's no way in hell we could ever grapple or embrace spirituality now. It's a total lie. It's a total lie. You are the basis, the expression, and the culmination of which doesn't have a beginning or an end. Yeah, you are that. Yeah. When? Right now. What about a now that's later? Well, right now. Because when you finally arrive at what's later, what will it be now? Yeah. Now you can make it later, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, but each moment that seems to be going towards the go is now, 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 We're the one that, we made partitions in something that can't be parted, yeah? We took this one just field of awareness and we put time on it and we cut it down to moments so that we can tell a story that we can be more aware at certain moments and then very unaware at other moments. 
But if you realize there's only this moment, that idea of being more and, and less aware would be blown out of the window, out of the water, because it's a false assumption. Yeah? If there's no way you can ever be out of the moment, you're right in what you're seeking down the road. You're right in it now. It's not going to be a better moment a year from now, and it wasn't a better moment three years ago. Those are stories. It's the exact same event going on each, what, what we call each moment is the exact same event. And what is the context of that exact same event? Isn't it consciousness or seeing? Isn't there an onness that seems so obvious we don't even note it? That we're on. There's an awareness. We're conscious. There's consciousness happening. I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yeah? And in mind, I can see, hear, feel, taste, and touch other things. I can entertain things that can't be seen and felt and tasted or touched. Yeah? You can entertain nothing with a different sense. Yeah? Not the senses that are dictated by the body gates, but the sense of an open mind. Yeah? Where all and everything is possible. So I don't know, from AA, AA was an incredible thing for me when I heard that because I was in an intimate experience of the problem, but I didn't know the problem, yeah? When they described it to me, then I really knew it. You know, I listened to what they had to say. Hey, you know, bro, the root of the problem is you're obsessed with self, yeah? I said, all right, and then I looked back at my life and I could see that was the case, that at one point, there was sort of a relaxation and ease when I was between two and four, and then thinking started to happen, and I started to get really uncomfortable in my own skin, and then all the situations, and started questioning, looking at people suspiciously, you know? My mother and father, what's going on here? And it just got worse and worse and worse as I continued on, yeah? So all the things, they had, what, how they described the problem, I lived it, so I had an intimate identification with that, yeah? And then they said, okay, well, what's the solution? Well, you've got to have some power, because the dilemma is you're powerless, yeah? You're powerless to struggle against the parasite of alcoholism, yeah? You can't win. Self can't get out of self. Because you're taking yourself to be a product of the parasite, an idea, a mental idea. And that mental idea is never going to be stronger than the system that produced the idea, Yeah? It will just produce another idea to fuck with that idea. Yeah? So self can't get out of self. So it says, well, your situation, your solution is you've got to find a power greater than self. Yeah? Now, I don't believe you have to find a power greater than you. I think you are that greater power. But when you're identified as a self, you're not. You don't seem to be. You are, but you're not living as if you are. You don't seem to be. Yeah? From that situation, most people can make the leap that they're what they're looking for. So then we give an idea, a concept that's in the mental condition still, called a higher power. Yeah, it's in the mental condition. Yeah, it's an idea, but hopefully it's not of it. It represents what's not of the mental condition. So with that intermediary, with that like uh, middle person, we can now entertain what we couldn't entertain before, and it leads us to what freedom from alcoholism. Because why? We have a power now that's flowing in, like it says on page 63. You'll feel a new power flowing in. You'll sense a conscious presence. 
you know, which is what happens. You'll be able to face life successfully. All this stuff will happen when you take when you get established in a in a situ, in a position. What is that position? Reliance on something greater than self. That's it. So when you stop relying on the mental system, mind can become obvious. Not a mental process, but mind itself. And the mind itself, the mental process is happening within. The mind is much greater than the mental process that's sucking all the interest and attention. Yeah? So when that mind decides things are going to change, they change. Because it has what? Power behind it. Yeah? So when you have a realization, that realization has a lot of power. It can change the rest of your life. You can wake up in one second one day and just realize, Jesus Christ, and then a momentum, there's enough juice behind you that you can live based on that revelation. You can actually live and start expressing what that revelation brought to you yeah, for the rest of your time here. Because you have a power greater than self, so the self, it may try to claim it and usurp it, but it won't come close to it if you are tuned to that power that's greater than self. Because just like anything else that's into power, the only thing power respects is other power. Self isn't going to give a shit about morality or nobleness or spirituality. It doesn't give a squat about that. It can be just as insane in the temple as it can be at, in Sixth and Market. You know, it has doesn't. It can wear any uniform that's supplied by all the situations here and act out just the way it wants to act out. It's not scared of becoming a saint or being a sinner. It's uh, because the identification of self is still the basis, yeah? You're now thinking that you are a saint. <laughs> but when when the light is turned on it and it's questioned, yeah? Like it says in the book, it always talks about self-examination. What happens when you examine the self? You find that you're not it. That's what happens. Like in Buddhism, one old one Zen master from Japan said, you know, the study of Buddhism is the study of self. And the study of self is to forget the self. That's exactly what it's like. So you learn about the self so that your mind can entertain and get fortified with the entertaining. And hey, I may not be that. When it realizes it's not that, what gets extracted? A lot of fucking power. And then you see the movie wasn't good. It was fueled by the light that was projecting it. Yeah, The light of mind. It's not the movie of your life that's so entrancing. It's the power of the light. It's not the movie. It's the audience. You have a role. Yeah. So when I started to entertain, I may not be the idea of being Paul. I lost interest in the narrative about Paul. And I lost interest in a lot of things that were about Paul. Like my past problems, you know, old opinions, old ideas, I'm never going to be good at this because, or, you know what I mean? All that stuff that I was fueling constantly started to fuel the depot, its source of fuel got cut off. So it still sparkled for a while, but it dimmed down. Yeah. So then, what happens? My experience here, never to, I don't care about the particulars, but my experience here, with a long, let's say, a, if you want to call a, a large like a segment of time, I've seen that I've traveled lighter consistently over a lot of years now. Going through a lot of shit, like a lot of years may bring you, and going through a lot of good stuff, and not changing the heights and the valleys, but changing how I traveled over them. Yeah? 
So I've been able to travel quite consistently, much lighter than I ever did before. What happened? Well, I know in a sense what happened. Somehow the mind lost interest in the idea of being a self. And that interest, freed from that slavery, is now enriching my life instead of enslaving me to this mental fucking idea all day. (laughs) So you can sort of like backtrack and realize, oh, the relief is, and then from the relief, you know the problem. So from the solution, you can backtrack and actually get a really clear idea about the problem because now it's not the problem anymore. Yeah? The problem is when it's the problem. <laughs> when you see it, it's not the problem, that's the solution. And I would, I would, I would wager a huge bet that everyone I meet would just like to be able to travel a little lighter, have an ease and comfort in their own skin, and you know, and to be able to feel uh, somewhat okay in the circumstances they're in. Yeah. I don't know if everyone wants to go to the Himalayas and transcend this worldly place. Maybe some of us do, but I don't think it's necessary. I think you wouldn't really want to go if you found out you were never here. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I think it would make it a lot easier. Because in my head, if this was real, all of its constant preoccupation with it was justified. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah, this needs a lot of fucking work. This is not a very good sample of a well-adjusted person. Yeah, I would. It would be like an urban renewal project with an open-ended budget. It would just be sucking in my interest and attention until I passed away. Yeah, I'd be going through like some people I know. They do inventories incessantly, going over the minutiae of their life, thinking that the more and more they get into it, they'll be, they'll see better. They're just getting obsessed. This is about freedom, you know, where it's sort of like, why, if I moved into an apartment or a condo, it's sort of like, let's say if I had a house and someone came and wanted to sell me a rug, yeah? It would be really great, and maybe a great rug salesman, but I look at the floor, I don't have a rug, you know? I got wooden floors. I have no need for the rug. It doesn't matter how enticing and wonderful the delivery is, I ain't gonna buy it, yeah? That's the whole point with the idea of self. The mental system keeps advertising and keeps trying to beat you and hook you so that the interest and attention will go back into the story of you. Yeah. So you go into the there and then, past and future. And then your interest and attention gets dispersed into never-never land, and you don't seem to be here now, and this is where you're fed. You're not fed off your memories, and you're not fed off your possibilities. You're fed right here and right now. This is where the spiritual soup kitchen is is and is on. This is where it happens. The mind wants to take the interest and attention from you and disperse it into time, and then have you fixate on you as a body somewhere else at some other time. You know? That's it. Enough's enough, isn't it? Let's say you had lived today, and you had tons of little events. Let's say you had to drive my girlfriend to the airport and stuff, and so I got up really early, did this and that. But the only, let's say, I wouldn't say memorable, 
but the the ball that was your eye was never taken off of was nothing. You know the context of everything we call a day. Every every event that happened today was happened in a context of awareness. Yeah, it's the space that never gets acknowledged. It's so sort of like in a movie, you know, no one ever claps for the screen. You know, <laughs> the screen allowed the movie to. No one's like, oh, that that's one. That's a great fucking screen. You know, no one's just sensing. You know. The awareness, it's like crackling, you can hear it in a sense, you can, there's a lot of sensations of, of it in a weird way. It's that, that intimate, a presence that you can't see or feel or touch, you know. But you get the intimation of it. And after a while you get attuned to that, and so you never take the eye, the single eye never takes itself off the ball, you know. That ball of nothing. And it allows you to travel lighter, you know? I think that's the most practical aspect of it. It's not like... Uh, because if it was something else, then you'd have to maybe go home and plan to go to Tibet or something. It's not like that. It's perfect. It's Whatever situation you're in, it's the illumination of that situation. Yeah? It could be a terrible situation is being illuminated by the same light that a great situation is illuminated by. The light doesn't fluctuate with what we call the good and bad of the situations, yeah? The light is unerring, it's just on. That's sort of keeping your eye on the ball. Because a lot of gymnastics and magical, like, juggling going on in every moment, you know, things are happening, this and that, and it's very easy to get caught up. But with, when you have that sense of that presence, like it says in the book, you'll feel that new power flowing in. You'll sense the conscious presence. You know, you will outgrow fear. Yeah? You'll be reborn. You'll outgrow the fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. You'll be reborn. It's a pretty damn big statement, eh? And it's what happened. Did I did I get more muscular? Did I get a better job? Those things can happen. What happened is the mind changed. That's all. It instead of resting and it can't rest in self-centeredness, its idea of rest and self-centeredness is agitation because selfing is always selfing. Yeah. It's always trying to become something it thinks it's not, or it's trying to unbecome something it thinks it is, yeah? So there's no rest. So when the mind is, quote-unquote, resting on self-centeredness, it's agitated, yeah? And it says in recovery, it says, hey, why are you in so much fear today? And it goes, why isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Okay, so self-reliance is a failed system. Now, when you think it's only failing you, that's the center of self-centeredness. <laughs> when you become the reason why self-centeredness fails, you can't be more into self than that. <laughs> you know, when, when all the fault of the system that the mind's relying on is taken on as being because of you, that's the product of self-centeredness. That's our, an extreme sense of being a self. Yeah. <laughs> got to recognize it. When there's self, that extreme sense of being a self is felt, that's the, that's the product of selfing. You're not that. That's the beautiful. When you have a chance to feel it, it's a beautiful moment because you can go, I'm not that. Yeah? I'm not that. The world doesn't revolve around me. I have actually nothing to do with it. Just like in AA it says, you are powerless over alcohol. Yet everyone's still running around with tons of guilt and shame about what they did when they won under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Don't they see that they were powerless over it? 
It was like dancing with a gorilla. You're going to stop when it wants to stop. You know? When you have alcoholism, once you put the fuel in drinking or drugs, it's off to the races. You, know, fucking, you can't stop anything then. You couldn't stop it to begin with. Yet, we, we act as if we could, or actually act as if we should have. And then tons of guilt and shame are fucking produced by that false assumption. If we could just get the definition of powerlessness and apply it to our own life, when we're under the throes of alcoholism, it would lead us to a great relief. We could give up the ghost about holding ourselves to these such stringent uh, ideas that we should have known better. You had no fucking wherewithal at all. Once you're on a run... Have you ever tried to talk to someone on a run about... <laughs> Maybe they should stop. <laughs> it's like pissing in the wind. They're totally taken over by the parasite. They ain't stopping until it wants to stop. You know? Oh, I think you should stop now. Okay, <laughs> get out of here. You know? They'll lie and tell you, "Oh yeah, I'll call you back." <laughs> you never hear from. Them. It's just fucking. You know how do you? Why would you want to pin that on them? You know, you should have called me back. You don't fucking have any idea of disease. They could not have called you back. Unless they thought they could get money from you, maybe. They could call you back. But there was no intention whatsoever of getting help. This is called powerlessness. Yeah? What does powerless imply? Well, you have no power. Well, where did your power go? If you're, let's say, near a source of power, or you are the source of power, how can the source of power have an experience that it has no power? It must have seemingly given over its power to something else, yeah? And that something else is lording its own power over it. So, we give up our juice to this, to this mental process called selfing, we take ourselves to be how it presents us, and now it uses its our power to enslave us. Yeah? And then we're bemoaning our condition and being such a victim when it's our own juice that's putting us into the incarceration. <laughs> so what should I do? Well, the steps in recovery. Do that. There'll be a good... Because... You can't go from A to B. You gotta go what you like for me when they talked about surrender. You know, surrender is a big deal in recovery, right? Big time surrender. So when they, my idea of surrender was, you know, I was gonna go through an incredible dark night of the soul, and somehow I'd be on a cliff, you know, off the the ocean, and the wind would be blowing through my hair, and my ex girlfriends and my present girlfriends would be sort of around, and I'd give up the ghost. Oh, I surrender to you, oh great God, whatever you know. And then everything would be fine. I had no idea that Serena would be going home and doing an inventory. <laughs> I had no idea of that. I was, that wasn't part of the picture. Oh yeah, you want Serena to go home and fucking write out your resentments, your fears, and arms and others. What? You know what I mean? Yet that surrender, the conceptual idea had it, never stayed surrendered. The surrender that gets pro- not produced but opened up to from doing the steps has the ability to become stabilized, yeah? So you, now you're not surrendering and taking back and surrendering and taking back, you're surrendered. Your mind has understood something. To me, deeply it understands I'm not that which is driving me fucking crazy. Yeah? It is a parasite, it's a foreign installment. And if it's a foreign installment, I have the possibility of being free from it because I'm not of it. Yeah? 
If I'm identified as it, the best thing I can do is try to be free as it, which is a form of slavery. Yeah. Well, I watch people today. I did it myself. I was trying to be free as a self, in a sense, in, a, in the spirituality milieu. And it was like excruciating slavery in a way. Fifteen years of trudging and meditating and, you know, waiting to see if I was the last meditator that, that would make me the best meditator. Or, you know, I'd listen to everyone leave and suddenly I'd leave. Oh, yes, I meditated longer than everyone. It was just insanity. It was just, it was like, it was like an enslavement. <laughs> it really was. Not as extreme as, a, you know, addiction, drug addiction, but it was, had its own qualities of addiction. Quite strong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I was trying to become free as what I wasn't. <laughs> Instead of being free from what I'm not. That's the only that's the only little click I needed. And when I heard it, I went, aha, and it became like an unspoken yes, and it's been my last answer now since I heard it. Because it made it finally cleared up a lot of the misconceptions I had, all the false, crazy assumptions that I gotta get into the moment. Assuming I could be out of a moment, you know, or I gotta get out of self, assuming that I'm in self. I don't believe I'm in self, so there's no need to get out of self. That's the experience of being out of self. Is <laughs> that there's no need to get out of self. <laughs> if you try to get out of self, you're going, just going into another self, aren't you? The self that's out of self, which is always gonna go back in self. <laughs> Only to work to try to get out of self again. <laughs> So you'll think you're this solid mental idea going in and out of this other, more like a <laughs> vague idea of in and out. <laughs> and then you'll have all these degrees. I was really in self today, and I was really out of self today. And then I was so I was sort of in self today. We had some moments, you know what I mean? And the mind will just riff on, oh, I'm really out of self, or I'm really in self. And it's all selfing. <laughs> Self is not a location that you're in and out of. Selfing is an activity the mind's doing. Yeah? It's an activity. It's an overlay. It's an interpretation. Yeah? It's a distortion that's constantly being applied. So the seeing becomes a form of looking called self-centeredness. And then we're blind to what? The seeing. We're blind to our own nature. When it's expressing itself every moment that I'm alive, seeing is expressing itself, I can't read the tea leaves. I can't pick it up. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for one answer. The answer is what's looking. I'm looking for one answer, and the answer is what's looking. Every second that there's looking, that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking for the answer. <laughs> Yet it's what's looking that's the answer. <laughs> It's so beautiful. It sounds crazy, but when the calibration gets tweaked, oh, it's so nice, man. It's like the smallest little misinterpretation that geometrically progressed here. Yeah, it was just a crazy idea that sort of took hold, and it just it's just mutated. Yeah, you know, but it just came from a little miscalculation. Yeah. I cannot be here. I can be somewhere else. I can, da, da. Yes. I can become something in the denial of what actually I am. Yeah? I want to become what I think I'm, I am. 
I don't want to cut that all that process out and just be what I am. I want to become uh, what I think I am, or what other people told me I am, other seekers or saints or something. I want to be that. When you are something already, why not be that? Well, that's boring, because it doesn't take much mental action to be that, because you are that, exactly. To be something you're not takes a lot of mental activity. And that's, that's, the selfing isn't, it can't produce a sense of being Paul. It can't produce a Paul. But the activity of appearing to be Paul is the best it can do. And it, it's a fucking success on that level. For most people, they're constantly occupied in an idea of what they are. Constantly. The, every thought has them in it, <laughs> somehow or another. Yeah. <laughs> so by all the avalanche of thinking, of thinking, of thinking about you, it, in a sense, it produces an appearance of you. A little mental, like, uh, sleight of hand, yeah? You have a feeling, a vague sense that you're Paul, you know, from New York and this and that, and this whole little story. It's like, you, you're like this fake, you're like a conceptualized dog with a huge tail. Tons of stories. So, it's like Paul, and then you go back into stories to verify that you're Paul. And then you think about Paul in the future, and you remember Paul now. And basically, you just remember it all day. What is doesn't have to be remembered, because it's always so. What isn't, the only way it can appear to be so is to be remembered. Yeah? It has to be remembered, because it isn't so. If it's so, you wouldn't remember it. You'd live it. You'd be it, yeah? But because it isn't so, the only way it can appear to be so is by remembering it. The mind remembers it. It's like a bastard. It's like an interpretation, not a living. It's like, it's like a wasing and willing, not a being, yeah? The idea is being, but it's conceptualized into something other than being, yeah? That's that to me. I don't want to beat the dead horse, eh? No. You just let it in, right? You got let it in already tonight. Just see what happens. It just cooks. And uh, your mind, your, for mind to change, there doesn't need to be an observer of it. <laughs> yeah. just, don't, don't put so much attention on the observer. How am I doing? I'm getting this now. It's best to be forgotten. And then the getting it is being it. Yeah? You'll live it. It's not like something, oh, I got, and now you're carrying it along with you. It, it, it manifests and it, and it expresses through, through your walking, you know, through your living, through your talking, through your whatever. It's, it's, it seeps in and expresses through, you know. You don't have it. It's not something you can acquire and then attach it to what you think you are, but it, it seeps through because all we are here, I believe, is an expression. Yeah? And that's what that is. It's no thing expressing itself. Yeah. Mm. That was very tasty tonight.